Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We're a Buffy podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today we're going to talk about some great episodes. Uh, first, we're going to talk about yes. Ted, featuring John Ritter. Rest, uh, you know, rest in peace. Uh, Does it, everyone know about John Ritter, like, how wonderful he is? I don't think like, people do. And I think, like, rewatching this episode, I was just like, I mean, I think the only thing I'd literally ever seen him in was Problem Child. And <laughs> this is so funny. I didn't even know he was in that. <laughs> he was like the dad. Yeah, that makes but sense. But like, oh my God, he's so great in this, but yeah. Well, okay, yeah, I have more to say about that as well, about people not recognizing his greatness. Um, yeah. And then the next episode is Bad Eggs, which is also like just the most foreshadowing, heavy, fun episode, but foreshadowing heavy, but then also fun and gross episode. But um, maybe one of my favorite, like, metaphor ones ever, because uh, they take metaphor and make it so literal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also just, that was, a, it's just another one good, like, return to form of, like, just being a suspenseful horror movie kind of episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but both of these are, I think. Yeah, that's true. It's a good point. Um, well, okay. Do you want to just dive into Ted, or uh, do you want to tell me? I want to catch up with you real quick. That's um, a good point. How was your week? Uh, it was un- unflashy. I guess that's why I'm like, uh, I don't have anything interesting to say. Yeah. Uh, what did I do this week? Um, you know. I always love when it's like Saturday and you're like so happy the week is over that your brain immediately like erases yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. What even <laughs> happened? I don't know. It was kind of a stressful day at work yesterday. The rest of the week was okay. Um, going to birthday party for one of our friends tonight, which is exciting. It's a surprise. This will air after it happens, and also I don't <laughs> Wait, think he listens. <laughs> is this Rob's birthday? No, as a it's surprise? Justin. Oh. oh, Justin's having a surprise party. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Oh, is that that? Oh, that's the baseball thing. Mm-hmm. See, it's so fun because oh. I can tell you because he's. Yes. This is this tonight. Haha, <laughs> we're talking about Justin's <laughs> surprise party. I do re- now. I remember about that, but I yeah, that's right. I obviously can't go because yeah, um, it would involve an expensive plane ticket. Well, and I'm going out that way in, like, three weeks. True, (laughs) true, true, true. Yeah. So Um, I wish him happy birthday then. (laughs) But, yeah. Well, I I also, I guess this is determining what I'm not going to say at the end of the episode, but I watched The Faculty last night with my friend, which I had never seen. Have you seen that Mm. movie? I have seen, like, I think I've seen, like, one or two scenes, and then I've weirdly, like, I've seen the end. I mean... Because like it, it used to come on TV all yeah, the time. It was fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> I'm, like, so annoyed that I hadn't seen it already. It's, like, totally... It was literally Buffy, except a slightly different story. But, you know, in a, like, not Joss Whedon way, it was in a Robert Rodriguez way, because he's the director, and, like, it was just great. Also, both, I think that movie has a very big cult following. I hope so. The initial... Or even more mainstream. Like, I don't... I think it's regarded as one of those good ones See, that kind of I slipped under the radar at the time. I wasn't finding that much of that kind of stuff. It had pretty low ratings on most of the, like, aggregate sites, and there were a lot of articles talking about, like, there's so many movies that people in this crappy movie, and I was like, it's not crappy. This is really good. That's so crazy, because I feel like, I don't know where it was, but I feel like either, like, recently or, like, maybe a year or two ago, like, I was reading some list of, like, underrated movies okay. from the 90s or 2000s or whatever, and, like, I feel like I always read about the faculty as, like, underrated a really good like horror okay. like high school movie and like that it was extremely underrated and full of really good actors yeah i mean so many people are in it it's outrageous so <laughs> selma hayek's first movie john stewart's in it um even elijah, when, elijah wood? wood yeah um jordana brewster Invisible girl from uh <laughs> buffy yes Claire duvall she was great too 
Um, anyway, it was also like the perfect episode to watch before these two episodes because both of them are plays on the same tropes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Anyway, tell me about your week. Well, like you, I barely remember it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was short because I went, I was traveling, so. Um, well, we also, like, just talked on Monday, which I is know, weird, because, like, we usually don't, like, so I feel like I don't have anything new to tell you about my life. You're right. Um, oh, yeah, my friend Jordan was here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you might have heard about um, it. No, I just, like, I had, like, we have summer Fridays at work right now, so mm. I had, like, a half day yesterday, nice. so I just kind of, like, got outside and walked around, and, like, I felt kind of bad, because I went to, like, this um, independent bookstore that we mm-hmm. have in my neighborhood, and... I kind of got, I felt like I got kind of suckered into like buying something that Mm. I was only sort of casually looking at. But then I realized like, well, I wouldn't have really bought it if I wasn't actually interested in it. And also like, if I don't ever like randomly get casually suckered into buying things at this place, how are they going to keep the lights on? So, you know, I felt kind of like I had done a good deed for the community. (laughs) (laughs) What book did you buy? Oh, I bought two. So (laughs) one of them I got kind of, um, the one I sort of got, felt like I got kind of suckered into was like, I was looking at um, one of those like hundred things you should do in San Francisco books. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) the like, the guy came over and was like, you should actually look at this one. It's better. And then I was like flipping through it and it was actually like full of stuff that I hadn't heard of that I wanted to do. And I was like, well, this might be good for like when people come to visit and I'm short on ideas and um, maybe I'll find stuff that I want to do. So, so I bought that and then I bought, um, all the light we cannot see. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's in paperback now, I guess, mm-hmm. and um, it's been on my list to read forever. And I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll I'll get this." Okay. So, um, yeah, I haven't read then, it. But. Um, so I don't know now. Like the news, I keep expecting someone to like say there's like the dark mark in the sky. So, yeah. Um, I yeah, I just I want to talk about fantasy stuff now. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, I did this morning, also. I like woke up and I was like, you know. Sometimes I was just, like, scrolling through, like, Twitter. Yeah, And I was just like, oh, no. Because it's, like, not even, like, in the news, really, but, like, Twitter is all over it. Yeah. It's like, ah, uh, like, we are better than this. <sighs> um, anyway, not to be a downer with, like, reality. Like, that's okay. Well, I'll turn it around with another quick thing that I was doing this week is re- starting to reread, um, oh, my God, I can't think of the name right now. The Aston, uh, uh, oh, my God. I'm totally blanking now because I'm thinking too hard about it. Uh, Astonishing, it Astonishing X-Men. X-Men? Yeah. yeah. I was like, wait, I is that the I wrong one? you were going Is that, that the wrong one? I don't know. Because the next... It's the, the Joss Whedon one, The Joss Whedon right? one. Because the next one I think is Amazing X-Men. I think it's Astonishing. Um, it is. It is. I just started... You know when you think about something too hard then it fall, falls out of your brain? I was like, oh my God. Yes. Anyway, my friend had those... Had borrowed mine for three years and gave them back to me this week. And I was like, oh. So I had a pleasing evening where I was reading... Uh, one of them in Columbus Circle before my volleyball game. Nice. As the Did you win su- your volleyball sunset. game? Oh my god, no, it was awful. <laughs> really? I thought you guys were really good. Uh, normally, when well, it was my one of my teammates just moved across the country, and I'm pretty oh. bummed about it. And it was her last game, and everybody went out. Everybody except for mm, half of my team went out and had drinks before the game, and sometimes oh. that works in our favor, but this time it did not. <laughs> we did win the very... We have to play three games every time, and we won the last one by one point, which, like, you can't even win a volleyball game by one point, except when it's taking too long, and they're like, it's just... They just call it. <laughs> yeah, so, I thought you had to win by two. You do, but not when you're the last people in the gym, and they're like, this is the cap now, so... I mean, caps oh, aren't man. that odd in volleyball. It's just kind of funny. Like, ugh. We didn't even so win no, by two points, but no trophies this season, probably. Well, we're still doing okay this season, so 
I don't know. It did ruin our undefeated record, but I think we might we might still pull it out. Well, I'm rooting for you guys. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so okay. Um, I guess we should get into these episodes. Yeah. Um, You've requested so, to do the summary for Ted. Yes, I have, <laughs> because we have a special summary today. Okay. And I'm going to put it in Buffy's own words. Of, <laughs> because first of all, I want to say for Ted, like, this is how you do an evil robot story. Right? Oh, totally. Like, they took iRobot Eugene and made it good. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. I didn't even connect those two because, why? Well, you know. I just try like, to not think about that This is how you one, do but. a horror robot story. You do not make a funky, weird demon machine. You, like, let it be sinister mm-hmm. and creepy and wonderful. And um, <clears throat> But um, first I'm going to read Why I Had to Kill My Mom's Boyfriend by Buffy. And now... When this starts sounding a little weird, you guys might be able to figure out why, but Jenny supplied me with some of the correct information (laughs) before we started recording this. I shall begin. The first time I crossed stakes with Ted, my mom's boyfriend thingy, they had their cankles down each other's throats. That alone was enough for admission to therapy land. No, I didn't like the idea of my mom replacing my donkey with some squeaky, slimy, I have to get through this laughing, slimy software salesman. I wasn't buying into this new and unimproved family dynamic. But Ted made her glow with the happy, so I tried to emote and bear it. Then he facetiously showed his uber creepy side <laughs> just to me. Yeah, he threatened to slap my book. <laughs> Apparently, he didn't like my malarkey. I found out Ted was planning to marry her over my scratchy body. Actually, it was over his. I accidentally killed him after he started a fight. For a while, I felt hot, thinking I'd taken a human life. Think failure I didn't. Ted returned to the house to off mom and me. I bashed his face with a frying clown and no blood, just some wiring underneath. Ted was a psycho killer egg with a closet full of dead ex microphones. Fortunately, <laughs> mom's not one of them. <laughs> some of those work so too that, well. That's a story, right? Like, I think everyone got that's it. That's essentially right? the story, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, um, just in case you didn't pick up on that through facetious microphones and whatever else <laughs> was in there. Uh, yeah, so Buffy's mom's got a new boyfriend, and spoiler alert, it's John Ritter, and mm-hmm. he's a robot. Mm-hmm. And very everyone's evil robot. Very evil. Well, I, you know, yeah. it's kind of hard to know if he's evil That's or if true. it's just like one of those things where like the machines take over and it seems mm-hmm. evil because they're so unhuman about it. Mm-hmm. I, think um, he's e- I think he qualifies solidly as evil. Yes, but he does... I think he's also operating on like rationality, but um, but he was built for evil purposes, so he had oh, he never had a true. chance. Yes, and um, so Buffy doesn't know this. She thinks she kills him in a violent you know fight that they have, mm-hmm. and then um, Ted comes back to take care of Buffy and uh, take Joyce away to marry her and then kill her. Mm-hmm. Um, and fortunately, they all kind of win the day. And turns out Buffy has not taken a human life. So um, that's a very simple reductive explanation of this story, but that's really what there is yeah, to it. Yeah, there's not. Um, yeah. Most of yeah. it, I think, is color and emotion and Yeah. But sinister. this is one of the better horror, like straight horror episodes that this show does, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think because like anything that's really successful that way, it totally feels 
real. Like you can understand where everybody's coming from. You know, I mean, it well, for the most part. And we can talk about specifically about Joyce, I think, in in a little bit. But like, you know, you can understand why Joyce is upset when her daughter accidentally kills her boyfriend down the stairs. And you can understand why Buffy, you know, like when somebody's parents' significant other is being abusive towards them and nobody will believe them. Like that's totally real, real life. So, you know, those things, I think those kinds of things sprinkled in there again are what really like ground it and make it like truly terrifying because it's like, well, no, I'm not really scared of a robot accidentally coming into my household and killing me. But I mean, side note, I am a little bit afraid of that because I have a whole thing about (laughs) robots that they're definitely going to take over the world probably in our lifetime. But otherwise I'm not afraid of that on a day to day basis. Um, right. Um, so I want to briefly mention that apparently this is one of Joss Whedon's favorite episodes mm-hmm. as well. Um, because in this list that I have of his top 10 episodes that he didn't write. Oh, yeah. Um, Ted is number two on this list. Number um, one was which, the hyena one? Number one was The Pack. The yes. Pack. Um, and it took an, an, another like se- full season to get to number two. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, before we... I think that's because he's trying to choose the ones that he didn't do. Yeah. So... Before we go too, um, too far, because you you didn't actually say these these words, uh, that that your intro was a Mad Libs story. Oh, did I not say that? You came right up to it and then didn't say it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I I mean, I think everybody knows, but (laughs) anyway. Thank you for correcting the record, because I... Wow. But we're we're both not just my explanation of the Mad Libs, apparently. No, it's good. Anyway, yeah. okay, so continue. Yeah. Joss Whedon likes this okay. episode. Makes total sense to me. Yes, so he says about this episode, John Ritter was a gentleman and a hell of an actor. I think we can all agree with mm-hmm. that. And we got to start asking the really tough moral questions yeah. just long enough to set up a swell act three break. Yeah. Good act breaks are a thing of beauty forever. So I think he was really appreciative of this is just a really well done story. It is, yeah. And you have the added benefit of John Ritter blessing you with his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I mean, we talked about John Ritter a little bit in the beginning. You said you'd only seen him in Problem Child. I've pretty much only seen him in Three's Company, but I did used to watch it a lot on Nick at Night. (laughs) I just really, I have this really specific memory of, um, is he died in 2004, 2003, 2004. And, uh, I, he died on the same day as Johnny Cash. And I remember Mm. at lunch that day talking to all my friends about it and all my friends, not all my friends, a lot of my friends were like hipster music kids and they were like really upset about Johnny Cash and I was like it's more important that John Ritter died we like I remember having this argument everyone being like it's not more important that John Ritter died than Johnny Cash and I was like "Mm, okay I stand I stand by that they are equally important in their own ways but like John Ritter I think in their respective creative fields Mm -hmm. it was a day of tragedy for both I think for comedy and actors John Ritter dying was right obviously they didn't do the same things in their lifetime it's not like I didn't know that then also, admittedly, I didn't know anything about Johnny Cash at the time, so I'm not sure I was giving him a fair shake. But John Ritter is just like, he is a good actor, and he's so funny. Like, I don't you know, he's just, his comedic timing and his, like, ability to just really straddle that line of, like, being over the top but not, is just, he totally was the perfect person for this. I'm so happy well, he decided that, to do also, this. and <laughs> also, like, I recently read something, I don't remember where it was, but they were talking about the episode he did of the Larry Sanders show, um, which yeah. I've never seen, mm-hmm. but they were talking, like, whoever it was, was talking, like, in awe about, like, John Ritter came on and, like, blew us all out of the way, mm-hmm. like, out of the water. Like, we had no idea. Like, you know, because everyone just thought he was, like, this comedic actor mm-hmm. guy, and then he can come in and kind of do it with a level of, like, sinisterness or evil under it. I mean, like, he's totally, this is definitely, like, kind of, 
leaning towards comedy in this episode, mm-hmm. but he has that like sinister air underneath right. it. It's like, wow. I mean, and leaning um, towards comedy until it's not, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think that, that part too, I think would have a lot to do with the direction and the writing of the script, right? About like they, they wrote all the perfect words to make him s- sinister as he's being totally charming on the, you know, on the face of it. Also, I mean, he has yeah. to be the precursor to the mayor, right? I, I, oh my God, yeah. Jenny, that is in my notes. Yeah. I was like, he is, he is proto-mayor. proto-mayor. Like, he like, totally oh, is. Oh, this is a hilarious concept that we will continue to mine. This is my like, favorite, he's yeah. he's full of like, you know, malarkey mm-hmm. and like all these like old timey, like, yeah. kind of, and he's like very straight laced mm-hmm. and like very, but he's also like evil. Exactly. Like he is definitely mayor one point, like 1.0. Yeah. Like, um, I oh wonder if they yeah, hadn't I, cast him as this, if they would have cast him as the mayor. I mean, I love the guy who plays the mayor, so I don't want to. I don't want to. I mean, maybe he didn't want to commit to like a full season. True, Um, but yeah, I definitely think on our this you know doing this podcast and rewatching everything. That's been my favorite thing, or one of my favorite things, is really seeing how many times they like have a good idea and then they're like, "Oh, that was a great idea. Let's do that, but but more." Like, I really appreciate. Or better. Yeah, do it. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, one of our characters gets seduced by an evil robot. Let's. Let's mm-hmm. forget we tried that once and do it better this time. <laughs> uh, um, I also this isn't um, this isn't a thing to talk about for a long time, but I just really liked the very opening scene of this is them talking about right. So like Spriken's Drusilla, all that kind of stuff is falling by the wayside in both of these episodes. Mm-hmm. They also because well, they think that they've killed them. That's true. Um, uh, well, I don't know that they are a hundred percent certain that they. They well, seem to be at least like, well, incapacitated them yeah, for a while. We think they're yeah. off of the path. They also and we do get confirmation right. that the contract was yes, off. Yes, I was happy with that. I was like, oh, oh thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody closed the loop on that one. Um, but I also really like that Xander starts saying something along the lines of like, well, now everything's going to be hunky-dory. And he was like, oh, no, I jinxed it. But like a few episodes ago, there was he said that before um, before School Hard and bef- both um Will and Buffy give him a really hard time about jinxing them, so it's, like, funny, because, like, a few episodes later, Xander hasn't learned enough not to jinx them, but has learned enough to call himself out on it immediately. <laughs> like, ah, crap, I was supposed to say that. I also really liked the Captain <clears throat> and Tennille debate. Yeah. <laughs> they were happy. Because, <laughs> like, why are, why are they listening to Captain and Tennille? I don't know. Uh, okay, so, I, yeah, I just, I mean... I think uh, we're talking a little bit about, like, the comedy of this and, like, obviously John Renner's great performance, but I think that, for me, like, another way this episode is, like, really stands out, other other than the fact that I I know he's evil and I know he put drugs in it, but, mm-hmm. like, I really want to eat all that food. Oh, my God, that's what I was just going to say, too. I wrote a note about, can you make his pizzas on your blog? Because it does sound really good to, to fry them it, in thyme oil really on a good. cast iron. And when he said it has to be cast iron. <laughs> well, you're right. You do know what you're talking about. <laughs> it sounds like he basically took like mini pizzas mm-hmm. and like to cook them, like fried them in olive oil. And it just sounds delicious. I fry toast in olive oil Ugh, all the time. Yeah. It is delicious. Yeah. Um, I'm making pizza today, but I'm probably not gonna. Have, I'm not, probably not gonna do Ted's technique. I think that might be a little much with the pizza that I'm making. Okay. But, but I, maybe um, I'll try it. Okay. Well, I will I have to add these to my pizzas. list because they could definitely. They sounded so good. Mm-hmm. No, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, but, but okay, so aside from all that stuff, though, like, we really get, like, this is, like, 
like, well, as Jess Whedon said, like, you're asking the really tough moral questions, mm-hmm. and, like, you are. Like, this is what, like, would happen when Buffy's powers encounter the real world and not in a good way. Right. Like, like so far we've seen her kind of use them for good. Like, she kind of helps Xander, like, fight off a bully. She's, you know, um... Saves the day of, like, all the time sneakily, or whatever. Like, helping people, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, this is when, like, Buffy reacts at full strength to a human or who she thinks is a human... And yeah. it does not go well. So, and yeah. It is interesting. You have to ask. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, I guess I just, I, I don't know. I want you to go ahead because I'm going to veer us into a different point after. I'm going to segue, okay. so. Well, because I think it's it's really interesting where you see, like, Buffy has to walk around with these powers all the time. And it is her responsibility to, like, not lose control and rein them in. Mm-hmm. Because, like, we're seeing what could happen if she loses control. Right. But at the same time, like, it's a really tough thing to, you know, like. Like, Joyce is prepared to kind of tell the cops, like, oh, he just fell. And I Buffy's was going to ask like, you if you thought she was going to say that. Yeah. And Buffy was just, like... She's the one she, that like, owns can't, up to She it. already thinks she killed him. She, like, can't live with, like, not admitting it. And, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of see, like, what would happen if she thinks she's sort of reacted in a way where she's, like, gone too far against a human. Yeah. And what that means. And, I mean, everyone's kind of, like... Everyone, I think, is kind of rolling with the idea that it's, like, an accident. Well, and, like, I was going to say, it's kind of weird, though, because ultimately the way that, you know, if he were to have died in that incident and have been a human, I, she did go at him with full strength. But the way that he dies is falling down the stairs, which is a thing that anybody could, you know, that is a thing that could kill anybody and anybody could do that. Like, it doesn't take a lot of strength to knock someone off of a, a precarious, like, foot foothold. You know what I mean? So it is kind of weird that, like, ultimately what does him in you know what temporarily does him in is something that is it is an accident like it's not like she she didn't punch him in the face so hard that he died that would be her using her slayer strength i mean granted the fact that they were fighting but like it i just could totally you know i don't know i just think that's kind of a weird twist on the like well she does feel all this moral responsibility for being the slayer and abusing her powers but ultimately the way that she did it had nothing to do with her powers well and i was gonna say i think that's why we see you know obviously bubby feels really bad like Mm -hmm. her relationship with her mother at that point is like I mean her mom is just like doesn't want anything yeah, to do with she her. She wears really, her sad like, overalls. Well, she's trying to Yeah. <laughs> yes, okay. I did make a point that those are Buffy's depression depression overalls and I was like, you'll see what I yeah. mean. Um but yeah, so her mom's kind of upset. So Buffy's upset, but at the same time, like in a season we're gonna see what really happens right. when a slayer kills a human and the reaction is much stronger. Yeah. And I think it's, and I was like, well, that seems really unfair. But also, I think the difference is you're right. Like, you could still argue that, like, yes, she was hitting him and that shouldn't have been happening. But that, you know, really what killed him was he kind of tripped down the stairs. Well, and I think also, you you know, when it does happen again later with Faith, I, it, because why are we skirting around all the spoilers that we do constantly? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to hedge that. But, um I think that there is always this assumption that had Faith just confessed or had she gone along with it, they knew it was an accident. You know what I mean? So, like, I do think that she she wouldn't have had to deal with what she ultimately has to deal with if she would have just admitted it. Um, Because I do think that they were willing to to say, well, we know that this, you didn't, she didn't do it on purpose. You know, she got lost in, she she wasn't being careful the way that she should have been, but it wasn't anything malicious on her part. 
No, and if I'm remembering correctly, there's kind of a comment of like, you know, it's accepted. That exactly, like that that's going to happen. Happens. There is collateral. Yeah. I mean, and again, it is kind of weird that like they do, we do put this focus on like, well, the Slayers can't kill people, but like there's constantly collateral damage when they're like burning down buildings, <laughs> you know? Or I mean, I yeah. think you have to assume that there has been, there have been other deaths. I, I uh, I've been reading conflicting things online. I stand by what we said in our last episode about that first guy in the Order of Tanaka um, not being human based on his overpowering angel and his not bleeding from the neck whatsoever. Um, but there are other, like I did see people being like, oh, that's the first human that she kills. And I was like, oh, I guess. But maybe Patrice, the police officer, might have been human and she would have died in the fire. Buffy also kind of left her friend, uh, what's his face, to die with Spike and Drusilla, the guy who wanted to be a vampire, whose name... I'm not going to argue that she killed him. She gave him exactly what he wanted. It's true, but I'm just saying, like, there are... It's just been a you lot more instances in of her... that it was yeah. assisted suicide, in a way. Yeah. With, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm just saying it is weird that it's, like, put this whole spin on her not killing humans, but there's been a lot of really close... If not actual instances of it, close brushes with it. Well, and I think you could argue that, like, okay, so we're going to operate on the assumption we're talking about Ted as a human up until they realize that right. he's not. But, um, you know, if, I really don't believe that that assassin was human. Maybe the one with the gun was human I think and that's she why was. she had a gun. Yeah. But, um, but she kind of got away, right? I think she, she burned down in the church. Okay. Well, but then, who knows? I don't know. They um, don't show it, so anything. But then the, I don't think the other guy was. But even so, even if they were, it's established they're part of this evil right, order of right. Tanaka. So they have to treat them True. as, like, demonic. I mean, like, you know, I don't think they kill... Do they kill that Chris guy? Which one is Chris? Or does Chris? he kind of just get arrested? The one with the body parts? Um, he They get arrested. With the... the, the yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. The one from where but they I build the girlfriend. I think they're making a distinction between someone, like, attacking Buffy with actual power, like, like it, right, regardless right, of whether right. that guy was evil or not, or human or not, like, he clearly has some kind of power that he can overpower a vampire mm-hmm. and... Um, has sworn allegiance to killing her. <laughs> exactly, forever. and yeah. I think there's a difference between that and, like, getting in an argument with your mom's boyfriend sure, and accidentally, sure. like, kill, I think that's the distinction that they're making here in this yeah. episode. I, um, I agree with because you. Because all they know is Ted is just maybe a jerk, but mm-hmm. they don't. Like, he's not sworn to, like, kill the Slayer and all that stuff. It's Although true. he does know Buffy is a Slayer, he just thinks she's insane, so. So, the interesting thing, too, here, uh, <laughs> I, I agree with all of, I agree with all of these things. I do feel like I have a little bit of, you know, because I've mentioned this before, that, like, one of the themes in my head of the whole show, with maybe there was one exception earlier so far, is that Buffy is always right. She's right when she has instincts against somebody, even though there are other motivations always, right? Like in this case, she's also clearly upset that her mother is dating again. That And, and she, she knows that that's affecting her feelings about it, but her instincts are, this guy is trouble and she knows it. And I do feel like that's kind of like, I don't want to give her a pass, but I just feel like, uh, I don't know. There's something about it that's like, she let herself get that far, I think, because instinctually she knows that he's not just a human. I, I mean, there's really no justifying it because at that point he hasn't stated any evil goals, but I just, I guess I just do want to throw in there that like, I don't think she's just lost control. I do feel like in that moment, you know, he was, he did attack her and he is a foe. 
Well, so that's the thing. Like, he did attack her. She reacted the way she's been trained to react. Mm -hmm. Like, she's honed her reflexes and her skills. And, like, when Buffy gets attacked, that's how she's going to react. But, like, I mean, she did the same thing to Oz when, like, she was (laughs) paranoid about all the um, the assassins coming Mm -hmm. after her. But, like, I think she reacted totally the way she's been trained to do. And you can't just, like, turn that off. Right. Um, oh, however, I guess, yeah. I, you brought up a point that I, the fact that Buffy is always shown to be right is a point that I actually, I don't like. Yeah. I, I, cause I, I don't agree that a hero should always be the correct one. Like, yes, she's operating on these supernatural instincts mm-hmm. and like, she does pick up on things, but like, just let her be wrong sometimes. I mean. I want to agree with you. In, in this instance, it's very good that she wasn't. Right. <laughs> I want to agree with you because I know what, like, what you're saying is like it would be a better show if she were more fallible, but my fangirl side is like, I don't care. I want Buffy to always be right. And again, because I think we kind of talked about this last week that like that all the stuff that goes down in season seven, I really hate it because she has gone, worked really hard to prove that she knows what she's doing. So I guess, I don't know. It, there was one time when she was wrong about something, but I do, I guess it's also just kind of a funny joke that like, even when she's clearly reacting to other things that she's still right about it, ultimately. I don't know. Well, and maybe we can read into it. And I mean, I don't know if this is what they were trying to do, but maybe it's kind of a commentary on like this frequently happens, right? Where right. Women, women are correct and do read the situation correctly and, and are frequently yeah. not taken seriously because of right. the fact that they're women. Because, well, so, and because it's I difficult mean, to prove. And I do think because a lot of it is the subtle like m- micro behaviors that are happening right like there's also that scene where he he like when he says something to her about um oh the boys must be lined up around the block to like date you like that's such a creepy stepdad thing to say to someone like why you know and like i can that's totally the sort of thing that like if you're a teenage girl you're gonna feel gross i think many people would feel grossed out by that but then you can't point to that like you can't go to the police and be like well he made this creepy comment once so yeah Yeah. i I agree with you right that that's a great point i can't believe we didn't start there (laughs) of like oh right also she's right here because this is totally the sort of thing that people claim and then never get justice for so also that is something that people have said to me in the past Mm -hmm. and it always pissed me off because it was never it was never true and it is creepy and it's also like one of those things where it's like okay there's always some sort of creepy implication it's clearly just something that people like (laughs) say to you because they think it's like this nice thing to say and it's like it is definitely that like kind of like people of a certain generation, that is the compliment right, that they pay right. to, like, young girls. Right. And it, it is creepy as hell, and also it is not fun to be on the receiving end. Because there's no good way to react to that, either. Yeah. Like, oh, right. yes, you're like, right. You're I say, like, oh, yes, absolutely. And then you're, like, yeah, then yeah. you're arrogant. Or if you're like, no, no, ha, 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 it's, like, bad. There's no good, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Or you're just like, wait, no, this isn't happening. What's wrong with yeah. me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of it's bad. <laughs> But, like, he, you know, he's definitely that, like, old school. I mean, that's why we were talking about, like, he's definitely, like, proto-mayor. Like, he's got, like, you know, everything that he's saying is, like, a little bit... Vintage. Like, of a red flag because because it's so vintage. Like, you know, like, I'm just gonna, like, slap your smart mouth Mm -hmm. or, like, this doesn't happen under my roof or, like, all this. I mean, it's just, like... Uh, he's definitely programmed to be like this, like, you know, leave it to beaver kind of dad. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and it's also a nice turn on that, right, too, of like, I do feel like, uh, obviously now in 2017, it's not like edgy to flip that on its head, but I do feel like, you know, it's kind of cool to take the like, oh, everybody looks at leave it to beaver like it's so idyllic, but probably there's a lot of like patriarchal problems inherent to that lifestyle. Well, so the fact that he keeps like, saying, I'm not going to step in and, you know, 
assert authority I don't have or I don't want to step on anyone's toes. But then, like, he does. He does. Like, he's yeah, telling Joyce, he like, how to parent it. Buffy. Like, mm-hmm. and Joyce is going along with it. And we can argue that she's drugged. Yeah. No, I wanted to talk about that next anyway. All his food. But, like, he does keep. Like saying, oh, I don't, I don't want to like step in where I don't belong. But then, like Joyce, we've got to teach her. Like, mm-hmm. and then Joyce, you know, like when she's cheating with the, the um, mini golf, the ball, or 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 Joyce just wants like she hits her, like Buffy gets. You can see Buffy gets angry and like so her strength kind of takes over mm-hmm. and um, which is kind of a nice I think beat of like repeating what she told Kendra where like her emotions make her stronger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In this case, they do not make her very good at mini golf, but right. Joyce is like, oh, we just won't count it, mm-hmm. and he's like. No, like they, these are the rules, and like, and that's what I mean. Where he's evil in a way, where he's like, yes, programmed to be, but also he is a robot, mm-hmm. and like sometimes rationality can be evil. Right. Oh, I mean, um, I guess that's a good point as a as a counterpoint yeah. to Buffy's emotion, which we've decided yeah. or I've decided, and the show has is a strength that yeah, that is a good yeah. like, uh, it's a good um, villain villain and for I, her, foe. Of I don't want to point out mini golf in any way of anyone being evil by making you follow the rules. I, I truly believe in the rules of mini golf, but, um, but, but I mean like, it's just like a small situation of like, you can see like how it kind of like, it's the same way he approaches like everything mm-hmm, else, right? right? Like, you know, the rules are the rules and you like follow the rules and, um, you can see like his coworkers hate him because of it yeah. and he's, you know, really good at his job and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I guess okay, I do so want to talk, do about, talk about Joyce because I, I feel like obviously in the grand scheme of things, I'm going to give her a pass for this. Right. I know that she wasn't in her full capacity, but I do think it is like, you know, this is one of the rare moments where she fails as a parent. I, I think for the most part, even when she doesn't know what's going on supernaturally, she's putting up the right boundaries for Buffy. And she says, at least on paper, the right things that would be in any other circumstance, the right thing to do. And this is the one time where like, I get that. I think she is, yes, she's been drugged and that's influencing her decisions. But I also kind of have the impression, you know, at the beginning that like, I think she did let herself get carried away just with the romance itself. Right. Of like, Oh, I finally have somebody and I've wanted that for so long. And just getting lot, you know, she's, she's a, a parent, but like, obviously she's a person too. And like, I can understand being like, it's been so stressful. They've had to move. Her daughter got kicked out of school and she always has to deal with this stuff. Like you do kind of want some respite from that. So it's like, it sucks because I think it comes out in the most awful way that it could to Buffy. But I just, you know, I guess I just think it's interesting, but I do think that she's failing. And I think outside of the cookie situation, I think that she's making bad choices. I and mean, you could argue that maybe her, like, in a way, it's relieving for her to have someone else around being the disciplinarian right. or authority. Because, like, she's always that person mm-hmm. with Buffy. And, and Buffy gets and, so far out of line. she doesn't know it's... Well, that's the thing. Right. Because she doesn't know what's right. going on in Buffy's life, she, like, her daughter seems like a problem kid mm-hmm. and a problem, a problem child, child. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so she's always, like, the disciplinarian and, like, feels like she's probably having to deal with mm-hmm. this. And so it must be, in some ways, relieving to have Ted kind of step in and, like, have another adult. Because, like, obviously Buffy's father isn't doing that. Right. Um, and so, and so, yeah, it is kind of heartbreaking for her when they think Ted is dead and, you know, she's got this problem daughter that she has to deal mm-hmm. with and Buffy's put her through all these things and she finally finds this one nice thing and then Buffy takes that away as right. well. And even if it was an accident, it's like these accidental things always seem to happen. Right. And um, I agree with you that I think it's kind of Joyce is not on her A game in this episode, but at the same time, like, it's kind of a really sad story It is, for her. yeah. And, and also, I think at the end, like, Buffy does this really nice thing for her mom where, like, she doesn't tell her, like, what really happened with Ted. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, um, 
Well, I don't know what uh, that doesn't make no, sense. No, because they I don't knew know what Joyce thought happened. Yeah, with Ted. like because the police she didn't closed know the he case. was a robot, though. Yeah, but like they got rid of the robot body, and like, did they just tell the police that they fought him off and he left? Like, what? I don't understand how they closed that case. Yeah, without that's a good question. Body. But I guess does Joyce then know about the other murdered women? Oh, I guess that's true. But then, do they think he just disappeared? Like, where do they? Think I really he don't went? know. They do kind of gloss over that. But she, yeah, because I don't know how they, they make reference it. to like yeah. obviously the Scoobies got rid of the body or the robot, mm. and Willow kept a few pieces. pieces. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't really say like how the like authority people dealt with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, mean, and I, yeah, I that was the only open question mm-hmm. for me. Like, yeah, and also I just everything about him at the end I would like have so many notes of like ew yeah like, he's like daddy's here yeah. like, and, and Joyce is just like okay yeah like, ah. well and that Buffy finally does him in with the frying pan <laughs> that's just hilarious his own cast his own iron cast pan iron that he pan. uses to fry pizzas in yeah um yeah um, also I had to laugh when he was like um you should have seen the intern's face when I, like, got up off the table. Yeah. And I was like, dude, you're in Sunnydale. Yeah. Like, I bet these interns always see bodies get up off the table. That's <laughs> uh, true. Yeah. And also, uh, Jenny, did you notice you have a new weapon to add to your unconventional killing file? I'm still you stuck on two. cast iron pan. Well, you've got cast iron pan and she used the nail file. Oh, the nail file, yes. Him. Oh, I loved that. Oh, as yes. soon as I saw it there. Ugh. That one's extra good, too, though, because, again, that's kind of a, like... You know when you're if you're like alone in your house and you're scared as a woman, <laughs> I don't know. This is yeah, I've done that before. Happens. Like looked in my room, and be like, what could I do here? Uh, okay, <laughs> I do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I've got scissors out on my my mm-hmm. dresser, so you you pervs beware. Yeah. You're gonna get stabbed. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, shoot, I just had another thing I was gonna talk about, but uh, this wasn't it. But I do, <laughs> I did really like Ted's apartment. His cool vintage apartment. It's hard not to be like, <laughs> oh crap, that's been there preserved this whole time. Get some of but those antiques, were, guys. <laughs> but you'd you'd want to clean out the closet. Well, yeah, not right? anything that touched the closet. Um, his his, I love it when they're like, "What's in there?" And Sanders like his yeah, wife. <laughs> that is a good scene. Um, also, okay, this is how you know though that he truly is a robot and not thinking as a person is that he comes back to the house and like. Yeah, it doesn't... He's not there to convince Buffy of anything. He's there to, like, dispatch with her, and, like, so he's not trying anything. But then he just, like, shows up in the kitchen and has no sense that, like... I mean, obviously he doesn't because he's a robot, but, like, Joyce understandably, like, freaks out. Right. Because, like, he's dead. So he spins her this story about how he was dead for, like, six minutes. Right. But also, like, he's twitching, he's, like, short-circuiting, and, like, he's just not aware that, like, this comes across in any way as weird. See, but I think that's part of it. I think that because he's short-circuiting a little bit, he's, his functions are a little bit off. Because up until that point, he was so good at manipulating everybody around her. Like, I find it hard to believe that he wouldn't think that Joyce would think it was weird for him to show up, and to show up that way without, like, a call from the hospital or whatever. You know, like, I I think that that has more to do with, like, him becoming single-minded about Buffy, and also she's knocked some of his sense out. Yeah. Like physically, like screws have come out. I think. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, not that this this is becoming so common that like maybe it's not even worth p- mentioning. But like, I appreciate that once again, kind of you know, one of the villains in this episode is misogyny. Like he's totally sexist and has these weird antiquated ideas, and I like that when. Yeah, you know, he's just yeah, another one also, that's gonna I fall mean, into that category. And I don't know if this is really how they were meaning to do it, but like in a way, because it is sort of in real life 
not considered good or normal, Mm -hmm. like, those kinds of attitudes, like, it kind of contributes to, like, the horror element a little Mm -hmm. bit of, like, because it's such that, like, low-level sinister, like, Mm -hmm. feeling, right? Where it's, like, it's misogynist, it's, like, misogynistic, but, like, you can't really say that he's done anything bad, but it kind of contributes to this tone of unease where it's like, well, this guy is not good news, really. Mm -hmm. Like, he's he's trouble. And then it kind of amps up and over the episode just ramps up every time, like, he overtly threatens her Mm -hmm. and, you know, Joyce doesn't believe Buffy and so Buffy's kind of, like, struggling with, like, Obviously, I have issues with my mom dating, but right. like I also really don't think this guy is good, right. and no one really right. wants to talk about it because everyone's all drugged up on cookies and like you know loves it. And then and then when it finally gets you think, and it, he like hits her, mm-hmm. and it's shocking. But you're just like, oh yeah, that's why, like, yeah, yeah. He really is, and it kind of like I just think like as a horror yeah. episode, this does so well, and and like it's my kind of horror where it's like you can appreciate all the horror elements, but it's not actually that creepy right. <laughs> um, or scary. Yeah. But um, also, I want to say like Buffy should really stop writing in her diary. I know. Why would you do that, Buffy? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's also, nonsense. Ted waiting in Buffy's room mm-hmm. is way creepier than when Angel does mm-hmm. it, and I think it's a little creepy when Angel. Does it, it is creepy when Angel but does it. Angel's not usually there to kill her. So it's true. Yeah. Um, also, Ted the entire time is literally telling them that he's a robot. Oh, right. And they, they were so in, up on But it. it wasn't just him, they were all doing it. You mean the yeah, little ones? Yeah. But he's like, I'm not wired that mm-hmm. way. And then his coworker's like, nobody beats the machine. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, every home should have yeah, one yeah, view. Yeah. Like it's just like it was they're clearly like I love those little notes of like, oh. You yeah, guys are just having fun with this. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, just, I don't, I don't really have anything to say other than that it's obviously important for, to the story, ongoing story, that we think we mentioned that Giles and uh, Miss Calendar have kind of reconnected a little bit in this episode. So I do want to talk about that because I think that was kind of a really cute, yeah. like, sub-story going on where, you know, Jenny is still being kind of frustratingly um, unwilling to you know, forgive Giles mm-hmm. or talk to him. And then she, we don't really see why she just why suddenly she shows up mind. and like yeah. has changed her mind. Um, but I do love that scene where they take on the mm-hmm. vampire and, um, you know, it's like this totally bumbling, uh, like effort of two non-slayers mm-hmm. to like kill a vampire and it's one vampire and they have a crossbow and stakes yeah. and like she just ends up like crossbowing Giles in the butt yeah. basically. <laughs> but it works cause he just rips it out and stakes the right. vampire. But, like, I mean, she has terrible apology timing in, like, but the ending was just uh, so cute. Mm-hmm. But but what really made me think and laugh during that whole scene was, like, you have Giles and Miss Calendar, like, out in the woods, basically, like, fighting a vampire mm-hmm. because Buffy is unavailable to do so. Yeah. And then you really, then that makes you stop and think, like, it's really weird that essentially a bunch of high school students and their, like, librarian are, like, the last standards. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, if a 16-year-old's not available, better call the librarian. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, that's the army, mm-hmm. right? It's, like, just this group of, like, ragtag kids or whatever, so. Yeah. Um, and then, um, also, we kind of get an indication of, like, Buffy has not told her mom about Angel, which completely makes sense. Right. Um, one, because he appears to be much older mm-hmm. than her, but also, like, I think... I'm sorry, kind of appears be to wrong, be much older than her? <laughs> well, it is I mean, much older than her? 
But Joyce doesn't know that he's a vampire. No, I know. Like, if she brought Angel to I'm dinner, like, the point that like he's, he's even older than he, than one would assume. I know, but I think Buffy's reasoning would be like one, right. like it would be hard to convince sure. him that it's a good <laughs> sure. idea to be dating. Like she already kind of freaked out when Angel like was in the house mm-hmm. the one time. But then also, um, I think it's because like if she were to tell her mom about Angel, she would feel like she had to tell her about the vampires. I don't know. I mean, you could pretend Angel was not a vampire. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I did like Angel's face when Buffy's like going on and on about Ted, yeah. but like, and he's just like, so are we gonna talk about Ted? So, the whole yeah. Time? <laughs> um, um, just be, and just we because get a continuation of the Xander and Cordelia thing, right? Too. Yeah. I do want to say though that I, I mean, this is the same thing that I, we said when we were talking about it before. I understand that you know Miss Calendar is hiding her own secrets, and that part makes it frustrating to kind of watch her hold this stuff against Giles, but I do think that she's right when she says, like, hey, you want me to forgive you because you want to feel better, but that's not how you help somebody get over a trauma. Isn't by putting pressure on them to get over it, you know? So I think that her I oh think her God. point is well made, even though it's just it's just from the wider lens that it's frustrating that she isn't you know, because she's clearly gonna do literally the same thing to all of them. So it is annoying. But I, I think that her point is good. No, I had a similar thought where like I totally understand and I think her point is very well well made mm-hmm. and she's not wrong, but also her behavior is so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it just makes me feel bad for Giles. It does make but me feel also, bad for Giles. <laughs> I mean, she's, it's just so unfair. Like, she just isn't thinking really... I mean, but at this point, it's like, we don't know. Yeah. Like, and I mean, and, maybe, and at the same time... Like, maybe the writers didn't know. I don't know. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I feel like they would have at this point. But I, 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 do, yeah. I guess the other thing is that, like, ultimately, you know, she can have these multi two sides of like, yes, I'm keeping a secret, but that doesn't mean getting my almost killed by a possession of a demon wasn't traumatic for me, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I um, guess though that it's the part where she's mad at him for lying about it is a little bit like, well, you're lying about lots of things too, <laughs> but yeah, the rest of it I think well, is hypocritical. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think I, I don't really have that much more yeah, to say no, about I, this episode, but I do just another, um, instance I think of Willow being charming oh. and the best is like her little squeal when Ted gives her like the sample software. Yeah. And, all- <laughs> and then it all comes on floppiness. <laughs> she also said something about he's a clean clown and then they look at her like she's nuts and she goes well I have my own fun and I was like I've been there <laughs> yeah. before. <laughs> um, yeah and I, I briefly mentioned like Xander and Cordelia and I think we can just acknowledge like this is still going mm-hmm. on in the background and and to the point actually where I know we just talked about it and it just started happening in the previous episodes but I, I had forgotten about it until he like that's funny complimented her and they have this like weird yeah. exchange and I was like oh yeah that <laughs> that's funny yeah. um uh, all right well okay so should we move on to bad yeah. eggs or eggs <laughs> Uh, I'm being mean. Wait, I don't get it. Uh, nothing. Okay. <laughs> Are you making an and joke? Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. But we could. <laughs> it could be bad hers. Yeah. <laughs> bad and. So, uh, in this episode, I mean, it's another pretty straightforward plot. The kids at school are doing, like, a sex ed lesson you know, lesson where they learn about the consequences of having sex. And so their teacher, their health teacher gives them all eggs to take care of as though it's a baby. Um, and if, you know, meanwhile, in the background, some new Western vampires have showed up to town to antagonize Buffy and her friends. Vampires with facial hair. Vampires with facial hair. I think he also grew, it grew in the episode, but we can get back to that. 
Um, but of course, it turns out that these eggs are not just eggs. They're little hatchlings from a... a I'm going to say it not the way that they said it in the show. I've always said Bezoar, and it's weird that they named it that. Anyway, the eggs are little creatures that are, in fact, going to nest in the students and then force them to do their bidding, which is to help make more eggs and keep continuing to take over the world, I guess. Um, luckily, Buffy and Xander are able to, to evade the little um, possession, and so they successfully take down the mother monster and it kills all the babies and everybody returns back to normal thinking there was a quote unquote gas leak likely story. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a pretty body snatchers thing. Do you want to know my main problem with this episode? Yes. So as any reader of Harry Potter knows, Mm -hmm. absorb is not a demon. Everybody that that reads any, Yeah. It's a stone in it the stomach of a sense. goat, and it stops most poisons. I know. Okay, that is what it, it is. It was so weird. I know. They got to that point, I was like, what are they calling it? Excuse me? Ugh, not even just from Harry Potter. That's, like, well-known, established fantasy. Not even just in the fantasy world. That's a real-world thing. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't work in the real world, but it's a thing. Ew, creepy. Side yeah. note, I've seen one. <laughs> in a museum. Ew, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, it was at the Mütter Museum in Philadelphia, which I highly recommend if you're ever there. It's a, like, museum of, like, science and oddities-ish. Um, anyway. Yeah. But, like, maybe when this aired, like, obviously you didn't have this army of, like, knowledgeable Harry Potter fans. But it but... wasn't uncommon to know that, though. That is totally a thing that had been around for such a such a long time. It's weird. I think that's, like, an example of they just literally go through the dictionary right. and Right, found names. something that sounded so. weird. No, it was making me crazy, too. I was like, oh, my God, just literally any other name. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, so, you know, this does have a pretty classic opening scene. I enjoyed it a lot. Even though this, again, this this whole episode is one just, like, poor Buffy episode where she's trying her hardest, and she's not doing anything wrong, and she's just continually getting grounded and punished for all these mistakes that are supernaturally caused. Um, I do feel for her. Yeah, um, and I love how she's just so resigned to mm-hmm. it. Like, okay, I'm grounded again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the beginning, in the mall, she sees Lyle trying to, um, you know, he's seduced some girl at the mall, and he's gonna probably kill her. Uh, and then it makes her late to lunch with her mom, and also forget to do the one errand her mom gave her, and then she gets in trouble. <sighs> I do want to know what streetwalker outfit she tried on. That's <laughs> true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this is like, I, I really appreciate the like way that this is a transitional episode, but then it's still a really fun one to watch. Like, I like the demon. I like the metaphor. I like all of that, but it's also like everybody is being controlled by their passions in the beginning of this episode. And that's like literally what's going to happen in the next episode, right? Like, oh this yeah, is, the hormones are on fire. Yeah, Everybody is going at it. Which, okay, everyone except, like, well, I want to know where's Oz. It's true. Like, Willow doesn't get any of this fun. That's true. It's not fair. I think they maybe they couldn't afford to pay him for that many episodes. I'm just kidding. You know, I wondered <laughs> about that, about how it was that they got Seth Green on the show. And, like, because at that point, like, he wasn't, was this pre or post Can't Hardly Wait? I think this I was probably know. post, but I don't know how yeah. famous he was. I don't feel like he was super famous. I mean, he had been a child actor for right. many years at this point. So, and then you know, eventually they did get him on as a regular, but I mean, then, less so, like not yeah. for that long. So, I always wonder what the deal was like with his. I don't mean stuff, so much that he was getting paid more than like would have been expensive. So much as it's just expensive to have a full time another full time actor. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably. Um, um, but, okay, so we get, like, hormones running wild. Mm-hmm. Like, we get very focused on Xander and Cordelia mm-hmm. in this one. Um, okay, but see, this is why I was asking all those questions about Cordelia in the last episode. I know, yeah. She her sex ed class questions. I was just like, I knew that this is yeah. what you were thinking of, but I guess you're right. Yes. yes, like I'm not like I'm not talking about anyone. Like I mean, well, Xander does kind of allude to like people slut shaming her in the locker room he does or something it. in the last episode. He also slut shames her. He, of course, yeah. he does. But I mean, like this is one where she's like clearly sort of implying. Yeah. In, yes, implying of like the and like so the fact that like. I mean, it, uh, I don't want to get into yeah. that argument again, yeah. and I don't know why it kind of... I think it just, like, I don't know why I view it as, like, a character inconsistency. Of course Cordelia can do whatever she wants, yeah. but, like... I think it makes I, total played sense. For, I don't know. Yeah, it's played for comedy here, and, like, obviously, I would agree with her decision to not sleep with Xander, mm-hmm. but... She um, definitely made the right choice. Yeah, but it's just kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, she can't even look at his face when they're, like, making out, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that's what I do like about them together is that they're still Xander yeah. and Cordelia. Yeah, and it is, when it is like, funny, I think, yeah. Like, they still, like, can't stand each other, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, in class, like, that exchange that they have. Yeah. Willow is a smart person. I know. Okay, how does she not pick up I think on she this? really has her blinders on. She well, and also it's so sad. Like they're supposed to get like their partners, and she like turns to Xander to like be his mm-hmm. partner, and he like doesn't even notice because he's like trying to go be Cordelia's partner yeah. or whatever. And like, it's like he just totally gives Willow like the cold shoulder. Yeah, just like also, also I don't know why Willow end, was so excited. Who do they end up being partners assignment. with? I assume each other. No, I don't because think, well, then why do they have two eggs? Eh, I really don't get this project. <laughs> I guess when your teacher because is uh, being possessed by a crazy demon that's been living under the school for thousands of years, the homework assignments are a little fuzzy. <laughs> that's a good point. Like, maybe Willow gonna... and Xander were doing all the work. I don't know. I assumed they had different partners than each other, but you could be right. I was kind of, I guess I was assuming everyone got an egg, but then they had a partner. Then why have a partner? But you don't have to share the know. child. Well, why have a checklist of, like, yeah, burping and feeding know. your egg? Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. And she's like, she's like, oh, diapers, sort of. And I was like, how does that get a sort of? But burping know, is like, check. Like, does it make any sense? Uh, um, so I guess I wanted to hear your thoughts about this as a metaphor, because I couldn't stop thinking about it as foreshadow. So I'm, I feel like I, I know you're right, but I didn't have those thoughts. Uh, foreshadowing for no, no, what? No. You go first. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm don't, saying the only thing that I could take me. out of this episode was that the... Uh, so in the beginning in the health class, they're talking about consequences of teenagers having sex and obviously oh, get to pregnancy. Oh. And my first thought was like, oh yeah, also turning your boyfriend into an evil demon and who's right. going to kill everybody. Okay. And that so, was, and then I, I couldn't I get off that really... track while I was watching it. So obviously it's a metaphor for other things, but I don't... Like you mentioned it. You mentioned it a while ago. That's I know you have some. So I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. Like they have this this discussion of like that. And we also see like this entire episode almost out of character, like, well, at least for Angel, it seems, but like Buffy and Angel are like making out Mm -hmm. all over Sunnydale cemeteries. Like instead of slaying, they're just like sitting in a cemetery, like, you Mm -hmm. know, kissing or whatever. And like, and then at the end, like, you know, Buffy's grounded and Angel's like, like, it's just, it's so, it's so much. And it's also like, to me, like, eh, I guess you can kind of start to see Angel, like, loosening Mm -hmm. up and letting his guard down and, like, enjoying himself. Mm -hmm. But also, like, Angel's so broody. This would never, like, he he was, he's so, like, 
serious about the consequences and the threat of like ignoring evil and like I do not for a second buy that instead of hunting he's like yeah let's just make out oh, or whatever you don't but, think like, he's just falling in love well I mean that's I think what we're supposed to think oh. is like he's starting to let his guard down and loosen up I and buy then, it. you know we're where it's kind of, I feel like they have to do that in this episode mm-hmm. in order to make the argument in the next one that, like, he and Buffy are going to suddenly just, like, right. decide to, like, right. you know. But um, I, I think that's what the point is supposed to be, but it's also just, like, so weirdly over the top for, especially to me, for Angel, mm-hmm. that it's, like, a little bit bizarre. Um, but it's but it's true, you're right. Like, they're talking about these, there's this through line of, like, consequences of sex, and then we... The entire episode, we're seeing couples, like, wrestle with, like... But in this episode, we're seeing two couples, like, wrestle with, like... True. Like, their feelings Mm -hmm. and, like, physical attraction. And, like, it's it's not a, like, a... It's becoming less of a hypothetical question and more of, like, a real thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Although, and I do have to say, I do like their approach to this in better than almost any teen show Mm -hmm. out there. Um, but, and also it is, it leads to some comedic moments. Like I love the two vampires, like just watching yeah. them like, make out <laughs> in the cemetery and that guy's like, ain't that Angelus yeah. with her? Yeah. Like, but like also this kind of lets us know like other vampires haven't heard about Angel's transformation right. the way that some others might have. Um, um, I have a lot to say about those brothers because I did a little bit of okay. digging for this one as well. Um, so what do you, but I want to know your thoughts on this, um, Metaphor, no, no, no. Right? You're the one that <laughs> said that. At the very beginning when, when we were doing the intro, you said that you were talking about this one, this episode, and it's like metaphors. I thought you had some oh. thought. My thought was about the foreshadowing. I probably did, and I don't remember I think you're what my just thought thinking was at this point. About, well, I guess I don't know. Something about the eggs, though. Oh, 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 I know <laughs> what I said. I meant like a metaphor, like metaphor become like like how when you go to sex ed and they give you an egg or something to take uh-huh. care of and it's like a metaphor for a baby yeah. like instead of turning i mean like the show takes that and it's like in this in this world it's still a metaphor for a baby but of course it's buffy yeah. and so it's not just a baby it's a de- yeah. demon baby that <laughs> demon like baby. drains you of, ex- of like energy while you sleep and like i mean it's like a very real world like consequences of like oh yeah i'm a parent i'm tired all the time i see kind of okay thing. okay yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was saying, like, this show takes the metaphor and, like, amps yeah. it, but, like, it's also a, an example of them, like, um, kind of just taking the established real-world metaphor and, like, that's still what they do with it. <laughs> like, it's, like, still a bunch of students having to take care of a bunch of eggs. Still, the, and, still like, the metaphor for parenting still holds. <laughs> yeah, 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 Even though yeah. these are demon, But also, you're, but I think babies. you're right in that there is also, it's timely in that these are questions that are going to come mm-hmm. up in future episodes. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. Also, the eggs are creepy as hell, so and like oh, when you see that egg in the library, one. like oh, it's it. just like, uh, like even teachers not who don't have eggs are getting yeah, like, uh, mm. they're getting like not possessed, but like it's like a little parasite. It like it is yeah, um, leeches onto you. It's um, so 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 gross. <laughs> like that tentacle thing. Like also, is the shell self healing? Like how? Does um, Buffy not see a giant hole in her Yeah, egg that's a good question. Because later they, well, who knows? I'm not going to ask this. Later they just, like, break open. Yeah. But I do, but. okay, so I guess I'm just continuing on this part. Uh, I've got more to say about the Gorch brothers. But, um, the, like, again, this episode is just hilarious, as they all are. But, like, no, I, the scene where Buffy kills her egg, when it, the little egg creature in her bedroom, like, I love that scene. I've always loved that scene, and I just love when she 
you know, it's just such a classic, like she's looking in one direction and then stabs it behind her. Like, I always think that's entertaining. I always think it's cool. So just like, oh, what a good kill, Buffy. And then like, and then it just goes from there. Like the scene where, okay, Buffy, like Cordelia and her teddy bear backpack, hilarious. Also, it's hiding an egg, hilarious. And then the scene where they go to dissect the one that Buffy found and Cordelia and Willow just take out Xander and Buffy. Like, I was just like rolling on the floor. I was like, I don't know why it was so funny to me, but it was just like, I think I guess if Willow just so straight faced explains to them exactly what's going on. And then as soon as Xander catches up, they smack them both in the head. I was just like, Oh my God. It's just, no, just I fun, actually really love that. Yeah. And I, I love that scene where that it's Cordelia who like hits Xander. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, of course she mm-hmm. does. Like, and then he's like, at the end, he's like, yes, everyone hit me. Yeah. <laughs> or, and even, oh, sorry, I can't believe I skipped over this. And this is the reason why I said emote in our Mad Libs. But like when Buffy's asking Cordelia if her egg's been weird and she's like, it's an egg, Buffy. It doesn't emote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, mean, I guess that's yeah. just like, they don't get too far into this, but I feel like in this, you know, uh, unlike in some other episodes, like people are getting possessed here, but they seem to completely retain their they're not possessed to become different people. They're just possessed to have to go do this one thing. So it's just funny. Cause like, that is what Cordelia would say. I don't think she even really, she's, I don't think she's trying to throw Buffy off the trail. I think she's just being Cordelia and then later going to go back to the mother or whatever. Well, I don't think at that point that Cordelia is possessed because then we see the tentacles like come out mm, of her out of the little egg guys. And oh, then I think okay. she like very shortly after, but it's still really funny. And, um, it is because you're right. Like they all, they're still themselves. They're just in service of mm-hmm. this like one particular goal. And, um, that thing seems so creepy. It's so creepy. Like, I hate it. Ugh. Uh, yeah. Um, also I love Buffy's reference to her gigapad. Mm-hmm. Like, because <laughs> I think we all had a gigapad or a Tamagotchi I had a nano. or something. And like, it was another, I killed mine too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had a little chimp and I think I overfed him on bananas. <laughs> I got mine in Reno. I don't know why I remember that. They were so hard to find. I remember like being so into it for like two days Mm -hmm. and then I was like, oh, this is annoying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It might still be why I don't want to pay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, Um, and then we see Jonathan again. Oh, I know. I always want to mention it because I, I think I never really. He got a name realized how frequently he like shows up. Mm -hmm. He's really been there since the beginning. Yeah, he has. And he's like this, like, it's this great instance of like world building, mm-hmm. right? Of like these people that you see every day, but you don't, you're not like friends with, you don't interact with them, but like, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. And like, it's clear that like, and it makes so much more sense down the line right. when you realize like Jonathan was like paying attention because right. like he was frequently the person Buffy was seeing. Right, 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 right. So. <laughs> oh, Jonathan. Um, so, okay. So when I was watching the two brothers, the uh, Gorch brothers, Tector and Lyle. I was totally getting a like Butch Cassidy vibe off of them, which turned out to be pretty, pretty much accurate. I guess they're, they're pulled directly from the movie, the wild bunch, which is about the same group of people like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid is also about, they they ran around with a gang called the wild bunch. At least this is my understanding of it in the real world. They were like robbers that ran away to Mexico. Um, but then two great movies have been made about them. I've only seen Butch Cassidy, so I didn't know the references to the wild bunch, but then reading into it, it's like literally in the wild bunch, there's two brothers named Lyle and Tector, which is why his name is Tector and not Hector. <laughs> there's a whole episode. Oh. I was being like, why did you give him this weird name? Oh, it's cause it's literally the name from the movie. And in, in the wild bunch, one of the other gang members that they run around with is a guy named angel. Oh. <laughs> 
So I think when they refer to Angelus being like, oh, is that Angelus? I think they probably, I think the implication is that he was in their gang. Oh! I'm not what? sure if that, that timeline is... checks out in Buffy, in the greater Buffy canon, but I like it but anyway. Who cares? Exactly. Who cares? Wow, I love cool. the thought of them like robbing banks in Mexico with Angel, with Angelus. Angelus. I, well, because we get that reference of like, that horrible crime they committed, like, and he's like, that's before they were yeah, vampires. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but so that also they... doesn't really track because it's supposed to be like the vampire is not the same person. And Well, I mean, I this is know. why we have that debate all the time. But, I mean, a lot of times, yeah. though, the bad guys, when they turn into vampires, are just even worse guys. <laughs> so I think that's... Yeah. They could have been criminals who got turned into vampires by Angelus. <gasps> Maybe not, but... That's the theory that I'm going to go with. And I'm not going to check those timelines because I don't want to find out that it doesn't make sense. No, it's such I don't a cool want you to. I, I love this theory. That's very I mean, cool. at a minimum, they and, knew and that there was a guy named Angel also in that movie. Like, that's not a coincidence. I feel like knowing what I know about, like, Joss Whedon and, like, his knowledge of cinema history mm-hmm. and, like, all this stuff, like, I feel like there's no way that's not... Like intended his, to or be some other writer who like mm-hmm. did this and was like having fun with it and it's like one of those things where like the people who get this are gonna mm-hmm. love it and otherwise it doesn't matter and it'll just go over people's heads. Yeah. So I might have to watch um, that movie tonight. Although really talking yeah. about it just made me want to watch Butch Cassidy. <laughs> it's like one of my all time favorite movies. It's so good. I have never oh seen Oh my that. god. That's so good. I've already given I mean I know there's like an entire film festival named after mm-hmm. that movie, but I mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I you know all the time I like record old movies to watch them, um, and I always end up deleting them mm. off the DVR because they sit there for months, yeah. and I just, like, never, like, watch them. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm slowly becoming less of a fan of the movies, mm. which is I mean, I've been feeling that way for a long me, time, too, yeah. It just, it takes a lot to get me excited. Like, I went to the movies <clears throat> yesterday, and I was watching the trailers, and, okay, first of all, I don't know why they thought I wanted to see a trailer for It <laughs> when I went to see a, a romantic comedy. <laughs> Guess what? I don't like. I didn't. And and jokes on whoever the movie people are because I did not watch it. Uh, wait, I just what sat there did you staring at my lap. Um, I went to the Marina oh, Theater okay. in uh, yeah, and uh, I just like sat with my eyes cast mm-hmm. down, and I was like, I can't stop myself from hearing any of this, but I do not have to look <laughs> at it. And um, I was so mad. I was like, No, no, no. This is not yeah. <laughs> what I came. Remember, I just said I like my horror to not be mm-hmm, that scary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But um, but I also like was like all these trailers, and I was just like, I don't care about any oh, of them. See, I did have a, the opposite reaction recently, but um, w- I went to see Dunkirk at an Alamo draft house, and it's one of, you know how like indie or like more independent theaters will show you, you know, they show you trailers for the things that they're going to show there, and like because they're right. like a cool offbeat theater, a lot of the stuff they're showing is like old cult classics or whatever, and so like they had some run before the movie, and I was like, oh my god, that's right, I forgot that I like movies. Like, I think I literally said that to people, like, oh, right. I mean, I think you're right. Like, I think it has to do with like a lot of the movies that come out, I'm just like, mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah. They don't seem that good, because it's like, they're not. Like, it's like the industry is either like, and I'm a huge fan of, like, summer blockbuster popcorn mm-hmm. movies. Like, I totally b- buy into that whole experience of, like, going to the movies just to ha- have fun and watch a dumb mm-hmm. movie and, like, you know, all of this. But also, like, they just don't make, like, those, like, middle range, like, Oh, they're so much harder story. to find, yeah. They really I are. Think it's and it's I, not that they're not getting made so much as it's, like, it's just the same as TV, right? It's, like, so, there's so much content now that it's, like it's a huge task for you, the consumer to have to then weed out, which are the ones that are for you. I mean, like it's great because there's something for everybody in theory, but also like it's a lot more working. You can't just assume that every theater is going to have something that you'll like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I don't want to get too down on it because I actually, um, well, yeah. my pop culture. That's what I figured. I've been yeah. not asking you questions <laughs> specifically. Um, um, well, we can get into that if yeah, you want. Because I, I, I don't know that I really have too much more to say about this. I mean, I think these two episodes are very much like a, a breather in between the overarching mm-hmm. vampire Well, and again, story. so much um, groundwork. Establishing that Buffy and Angel's re- relationship is progressing. Establishing that there won't be consequences. Uh, and then, you know, also just kind of letting other things happen. Yeah, because, like, next week we're going to talk for, like, two hours probably. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> next week is when we get into the, like, the, the golden run mm-hmm, of this mm-hmm. show. Everything after this is going to be perfect. I mean, even these episodes were so great, though. Like, for filler episodes, yeah. these are, like, I would not skip these. These are great. Well, that's what I was saying. Like, this is how to do a filler mm-hmm. Monster of the Week episode and do it well. And both of these are very good, like, horror-type movies of suspense but comedy and like it's just everything I think that people love about like this show these two episodes like really encapsulate I mean without the high drama of like the romance and the vampires and all this it's just like very fun metaphorical high school like high school is hell yeah kind of thing um oh the other thing that we didn't talk about though just quick note is that Angel said he can't have kids I feel, I feel like that was uh, another kind yes. of just important, like, plot element. I mean, important be- mostly because what does that mean for him and Buffy? And I think it's just a really interesting question, but also important because that's going to turn out to not be true in the span of the whole... Shh. Hey, why don't shush me about spoilers now? <laughs> anyway. I also need to really be reminded of how that was possible because I, I think it was, like, some kind of, like, weird... Yeah. Yeah, I don't. He's not going to have, know. especially considering who he had a child with, makes yeah. less sense and um, oh, mm-hmm. makes for good TV. But like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Also, well, none of this makes any an- sense. So. Yeah, <laughs> another thing that is, um, you know, at the end, uh, Buffy's mom, it, Joyce, was another one of the people that had gotten taken over by the uh, by the eggs, and she ends up attacking Buffy with a pickaxe. And I just thought that was interesting too because this is not the last time that we're going to see Joyce literally attack Buffy. <laughs> um, and it always breaks my heart. I mean, obviously, again, in this case, even more so than in the last episode, Joyce is not acting of her own free will. Obviously, Joyce would never try to kill Buffy, but it's, like, terrifying, and it is going to kind of just get uh, that that Well, and re-explored. also it's getting harder and harder to justify why Joyce doesn't know what's going on. Like, you know, she probably buys this gas leak story, mm-hmm. but, like, this is kind of the problem always of, like, this is why I think when you have, like, superhero TV shows or, you know, vampire stuff, like, it's, like, everyone eventually faster than you would think or like they get in and on the secret because like you start to realize like mm-hmm. yes there's some drama to ring out of like secret identities mm-hmm. and people don't really know but at the same time it's like it makes no sense right. to the point where it gets distracting when you're like either this person is a moron mm-hmm. or like why don't they know what's happening yeah. like it kind of detracts from the characters who like the one the characters, characters don't who know, don't know yeah. what's going on yeah it detracts from them because it kind of makes them just look like fools and um I think this is kind of like what we're seeing is like you can't keep justifying having Joyce not know what's going on because right. like one, it's really difficult for Buffy and two, it makes no yeah. sense. Like but sure she doesn't remember what's happening. Like Giles just kind of plants that thing on mm-hmm. her so she doesn't like remember being attacked. But like, I mean, come on, how many times are you going to buy a gas right. leak and just... But I do think what's interesting know. in if we're talking or as I've been talking about this episode the whole time as like basically all of this is just putting pieces into place while being an entertaining episode. But like, I think that's another one of the pieces that they're putting into place. Right. Because that is going to come to a head at the end of the season. So like, I I agree with everything that you're saying, 
I think it's also smart of them to write that, make sure that it, they're calling it out now so that we feel no, that. And, and I agree. And I, later. I also think like it's, very smart of the show that they're doing it this mm-hmm. early. Like, you know, there's a world where they could have had her not find out till like season right, four exactly. or something. Right, exactly. I know, I'm always like, relieved when that it just makes no <laughs> happens sense. at the end of yeah. the season. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> um, yeah. And also, it's so much more interesting where you can go because instead of having these dumb stories where like Buffy's grounded, like you can just have Joyce be like, all right, go be mm-hmm. careful or, you know. I mean, I think they bring a lot better stuff out of it once she does know. I mean, I appreciate that they, I, I think it does make sense to have a period where she's not in on it. But I do think they get a lot of good mileage out of her being in the know. If anything, I think it makes it more interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So that that is all I have to say. Me too. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, I'm really torn about my, my pop culture reference this week. So I'm going to give two. Do you care if I go first? Me too. Okay. I'm giving two as well. You can go first. Uh, so one is because I got caught off guard because I watched The Faculty last night and loved it. And I just wasn't <laughs> expecting that. It was also like literally it is a it's another that movie is also a play on like body snatchers, which both of these episodes were like, I can't believe how well these all went together in the like one evening where I watched all of them. Um, But it's just like, okay, so yeah, the faculty is a movie that came out in 97, 98. It came out in 98. It was after Buffy because I looked that up. Um, It features every known actor to mankind. John Stewart's in it. Salma Hayek's in it. Josh Hartnett's in it. Clea Duvall, who played... We've mentioned some of these things before. She plays the invisible girl in um, an earlier episode of Buffy. She's in it. Um, She's also in She's All That. mm -hmm. Yes, also from She's All That. Uh, The woman whose name I don't remember, who plays Jean Grey in the first X-Men movies, is in it. Like, it's just a lot of people. Um, and it was just, it was totally winky, campy fun, but still a pretty suspenseful horror movie where, like, I wasn't, oh, Elijah Wood is in it also, oops, um, being perfectly Elijah Wood. Uh, he is great at being a nerd who I don't hate. I don't know, something about him, he is just, like, he really, he nailed it for me. Um, but yeah, it was a super fun movie. I can't believe I hadn't seen it. It's directed by Robert Rodriguez, who then went on to do, uh, a bunch of movies that I haven't seen, but always meant to. He did Spy Kids. He did Sin City, which I have seen. Um, and he kind of continues to work off and on. But yeah, it was just super fun. It was it was so great. Can't speak highly enough. If you like Buffy, you will definitely like that movie. <laughs> I think it's not for everybody, but I think if you like Buffy, you should check it out. Um, so uh, my other one, I'll try to be brief about it, but I have hemmed hemmed back and forth about talking about this for I don't know what reason, but uh, I've um, occasionally mentioned my, one of my favorite podcasts, or really my favorite podcast is this one called My Brother, My Brother and Me. Um, But the same three brothers that do that podcast also started a couple of years ago uh, a podcast called The Adventure Zone. I can't imagine anybody listening to this other than you (laughs) has it already, like everybody that I know at work uh, listens to it too, but... um, it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. The three brothers play with their dad and it started, I must've been almost two, two or three years ago at this point. Um, and they've been doing this really long arc. It like, it totally started out as a comedy show because their other show is a, is comedy and they're like pretty funny guys. And so it was mostly like Dungeons and Dragons with a lot of jokes. And then it just really expanded into like a really big story that has a lot of emotional beats to it and it just has gotten for the most part just consistently better over the whole time that it's been airing um and the reason that I 
was thinking about it, or the reason that I'm mentioning it is because they're about to air their final episode, <laughs> or at least their final episode in this oh. arc. Like the show, the podcast is going to continue, but the story that they've been doing for the last couple years is going to end. Um, so I'm really, I think I'm, I don't know. It feels weird. Like I've been with it for most of the run. I've been talking about it for most of the run. And it's just really weird to me when, you know, like unlike something with Buffy where it's like, I, I hate that I missed out on actually watching this in real time and like being in the know, like this is a thing that I managed to get more or less ahead of. And so it's really weird for me that it's ending or at least, you know, I know it's going to continue to go on, but anyway, it's just highly entertaining also. So I would recommend it to anyone. It's funny. It's emotional. It's touching. It's sprawling. Um, yeah. Is this the first thing that you think that you've been actively interested in and listening or watching that during like the full run and then it kind of comes to an end because I mean um, I feel like that's like Parks and Rec what happens would probably be the other yeah like, TV shows I was gonna say okay. a couple of yeah. TV shows um Arrested <laughs> yeah so I guess you're right it's not the first time I've experienced this but it is like it, it w- it's been going on for so long it's just so weird podcasts are so weird too because they like really get in your head in a different way than I think TV does not better or worse just like yeah. oh I like know these are this is the thing I've been doing with my fake friends for two years <laughs> two or three years so it's like really it's weirder you know god imagine when our podcast I know ends. everyone's gonna be crushed okay all two people <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway so those are my plugs the faculty fantastic okay. and the adventure zone which you can download on any podcast service um, you do have to start at the beginning because it's a story, but. So you would recommend it even if you're not really into like the Dungeons and Dragons. Angle? I think if you care 0% about fantasy, you shouldn't do it because it's definitely a fantasy story. But I think you don't have to care much about Dungeons and Dragons. Honestly, they skirt, they don't, <laughs> they're not, uh, they don't follow the rules that closely. Uh, and so it's, it kind of, sometimes it is to its detriment, but mostly it's just the three of it's the four of them telling a story where one of them's an elf, one of them's a man, one of them's a dwarf, and they have fantasy adventures. So, like, yeah, I don't think you have to care about Dungeons and Dragons. I do think you have to care a little bit about fantasy. Does it come across as, like, fiction? Yeah. It, okay. it has turned into fiction. I was thinking the story was, like, like what you were saying was, like, they're playing a game, but it's, like, family dynamics or something? No, no, sorry. It's just family members no. playing okay. it. But they're all playing different characters that have come together on a quest for kind of, unex- well, we're getting into a lot of the explanation now about like how exactly it, it all came to be. But essentially they're just adventurers, kind of the way anybody starts a, a campaign is like, you meet in the cab tavern and agree to do this mission for somebody and now you're friends <laughs> and you keep having more adventures. But um, yeah. Okay. That, that was that a good, that was a good I, question. I'm, and I regret not just saying that off the get go. Yeah, I don't think you have to like Dun- Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I think my least favorite part about this segment that we do is I just get a little bit anxious about all I the know. pop culture that I not <laughs> watch. I mean, it's like I was reading something the other day where someone was talking about like there's too much TV right totally, now and yeah. it's a problem. And I was like, I agree mm-hmm. 100%. Like, because you can only watch the stuff you have time to watch, but then everyone's coming at you telling you you have to watch this one thing or this other thing is really good. Yeah. And like, I think at a certain point you have to be like, no, actually, now I just read right. books. Like, I don't I don't watch TV. And then even then, that's it overwhelming is, yeah. because there's too many books out there. And it's like, can we just go back to, like, not having, yeah. like, you know... Access and access and to everything just, like, that's ever aired. Yeah. <laughs> can I just, like, sit in a little cabin somewhere and, like, calm down? It's true. <laughs> like, well, I don't think, you know... It's a little it, overwhelming. The pop, you know, you'll always be able to find this. And I'm mostly talking about this one because, like I said, it's so weird to me that it's ending. That I'm like, oh... I should just really mention it. I guess what I'm saying is it's been really important to me and I'm just, I'm, I'm almost 
almost entirely pleased with where they've gone, and it's just been it's been really fun to listen to. No, I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. that you shouldn't be mentioning it. I'm just saying, like, oh, no, now this that. sounds like something yeah. I want to listen to, and it's, just, like, stressful because I'm, like, but I already have, like, ten podcasts yeah. I can't keep up exactly. with. So, uh, I mean. I'm just well, telling you it's not going. It's not going I, anywhere. Yeah. I listen to my own podcast, yeah. too, so I'm, I guess I could take that one off the list. <laughs> uh, no comment. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I know what you're going to uh, talk okay, about. Okay, so I I have two, two as well, but I, I want to mention it more as, like, a plug for, like, a genre, mm. because I unabashedly will freely admit I am a huge fan of romantic mm-hmm. comedies, and I don't... I don't find anything wrong with that. I do agree that a bad romantic comedy is a bad romantic mm-hmm. comedy. Like, I think um, there was a, a good run a few years ago where Katherine Heigl was making offensively yeah. bad um, <laughs> romantic comedies. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily her fault. I don't really want to blame her. But I think those types mm-hmm. of romantic comedies are not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, really good classic ones that, like, hold up over time. Mm-hmm. You watch again and again. Like, Nora Ephron, like, you mm-hmm. know... All of these great classic ones, like, I think over time, you know, the rom-com got so popular that they were like, well, let's just make them. They're cheap. They're yeah. easy. You can make them fast. And, like, I think they just turned into this, like, trash yeah, turned into its, and uh, I, Yeah, parody of itself. It's, it's like a parody of itself yeah. in a way. Like, and, and not in a great way. And, like, I, you know, there were some good bright spots that mm-hmm. came out in the meantime like that. Um, I don't know if anyone's watched Definitely Maybe, mm-hmm. but that movie oh, is that stunningly good. Like, it, way better than it needs mm-hmm. to be. Um, and, but I, I think recently there's been, cause it kind of went away for a while mm-hmm. and then you had these like little indie ones where it's, you can kind of see like they're course correcting, but it's almost unbearable to watch because like the characters are so like twee mm-hmm. and like, you know, painfully like cool that it's just like, I can't watch yeah. this. But I think there's recently been kind of a, a circling back around, mm-hmm. if you will. And um, I'm totally into it because I think we're getting really interesting, nuanced, like, low-key kind of stories mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily trying to sell you on some, like, unrealistic fantasy. Right. Or it's, like, it's like very, like, it's grounded in reality in a way that I think it hasn't been for a long time. And um, I'm definitely excited. So I watched two recently that really made me think about this. And I was, like, some of, like, I think one of these... Some people wouldn't even classify as romantic mm-hmm. comedy, but I think it totally counts as that. And that one is, I watched The Incredible Jessica James Oh on my Netflix. God, I really want to watch that. I wholeheartedly oh, recommend I it. Okay. I, going into it, wasn't actually sure if I was starting a new series mm-hmm. or a yeah, movie. Like, it was Netflix, kind but. of unclear to me. Um, but it's a okay. movie, and it stars Jessica Williams from The Daily mm-hmm. Show, who was wonderful on The Daily Show and is, like amazing Mm -hmm. in this movie it has chris o'dowd Mm -hmm. one of my favorite actors um and it's this story of this woman who's just trying to kind of recover from this like traumatic breakup that she had and um she's also trying to launch a career Mm -hmm. as a playwright and she just really doesn't have her life together but she's like slowly getting it together over the course of the film and in the meantime she's like meets this guy and like they're not it's not this thing of like meet cute and immediately have a relationship and someone screws mm-hmm. up and I mean it, and like there are elements of that but it's also like it's a rom-com where the romance is like not the important part of the right. story and it's kind of refreshing to watch because like you get these elements you get this beats but it's really solely about this woman and like her journey to like slightly better like self-actualization mm-hmm. and like I mean like there's no like the ending is kind of sweet and like nice but it's not like this like it's not a sweeping circling kiss Right, like, it's just, like, a small good thing that happens to her, but it's not, like, oh, she's, like, 
her life is great, happily ever after, right, like right. kind of thing. It's just like so it's just more real, more slice I was watching of life it and I was like, romance. Yes, it really feels like you're watching something that could happen to like your yeah. neighbor. Like it's yeah, you know, it's great. So I and Jessica Williams, like I already yeah. said, I mean, she's I mean, who could be two more charming leads? <laughs> I love Chris O'Dowd yes, as well. I mean, like, and. Ugh. It's funny because you've got these two mm-hmm. in it, and like I think their interactions are really good and interesting, and it's um, also like just great because it's like whatever's happening with them is just kind of happening, and it's not like a lot of like let's talk about the big themes of like oh romance mm-hmm. and like no, it's just a really fun movie to watch, and I thought it was great. Um, so it's on Netflix, which everyone probably has, mm-hmm. so definitely watch that. And then the other one that I just watched yesterday mm-hmm. was The Big mm-hmm. Sick that I finally I've saw. I've seen that too, yes. And uh, so yeah. good. And I, I knew I was going to like it. I was very excited when I heard about this mm-hmm. movie. Um, if you don't know, it's written by Kamal Nanjiani, mm-hmm. who's on... Um, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley, yep. And his wife, Emily Gordon. And it's their story, mm-hmm. essentially, of like, you know, boy meets girl. Boy tells girl he's Muslim and has to marry someone who's Pakistani. Mm-hmm. Um, they break up. Girl gets sick and gets put into a right, coma. Right, right. Like, <laughs> and... And then there's a happy and like it's I mean that's generally a story but it's this great movie of like first of all the romance part is like maybe the first half hour mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is him and her parents mm-hmm. dealing with this like awful thing that's happening but also he's kind of coming around to standing up to his own parents about what he really wants mm-hmm. to do and like who he really wants to be with and all this stuff and it's um I mean, it's another one where I'm going to call it a romantic comedy, but that's not necessarily the main mm-hmm. focus. It's about a character's journey to become who they mm-hmm. want to be. I also thought it had actually, a very while you were sleeping vibe where he's like actually falling in love with the family a little bit. Yes, but also less creepy than like just telling them he's her, her right, boyfriend right, right, right. when he's never met her. Like, I mean, and, and that that to me is like a very good example of like, where that genre has classically mm-hmm. been and where you can do it and actually have it grounded in somewhat in reality. And, like, I think that makes it even more poignant. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then in the credits, they're showing the the clips or the pictures from actual their weddings, actual wedding. Yeah. And I'm, like, bawling. Oh. Like, this is the <laughs> best thing ever. Um, but I, and I think also what I love is you have this very untraditional romantic lead mm-hmm. proving that you can have these romantic yeah. leads and they're amazing. And I want to do a special honorable mention to um, this movie oh, that came out a okay. few years ago with Martin Starr. And oh, yeah. um, I forget the name of the movie. I think An, you saw uh, it. Um, oh, I know it. Uh, yes. But Amira but and Sam. Is like, yes, Amira yeah. and Sam. Very good. Hey, those but are two Silicon like, Valley guys. <laughs> That's true, yes, Guilfoyle. Um, but I just think it's really important yeah. to realize, like, you can do this in a way that doesn't make everyone hate the characters because they're so weirdly mm-hmm. perfect. And, like, like it's just, I don't know. Like, I, I, left out, I left the theater, and I was like, I think the romantic comedy is coming mm-hmm. back, and I'm, like, definitely excited yeah. about it. I think you could be right. And then I saw, you know, a Nancy Myers preview for something with Reese Witherspoon, and I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. But I'm probably still going to go see it or at least watch it on demand or mm-hmm. something. So, you know, because like I said, unabashed fan here of romantic comedies. Um, to the point where I go through the genre on Netflix all the time and I'm like, seen it, seen mm-hmm. it, seen it, seen it, seen it twice, yeah. seen it, you know. Um, but yeah, I really would recommend those movies to, to anyone who wants yeah. to just go watch a nice, quiet movie about people mm-hmm. struggling with real circumstances. And they have like little romance yeah. elements. Too, I also thought Ray so. Romano was surprisingly great in that movie. Uh, yes, so Ray Romano and Holly Hunter play mm-hmm. the parents, and Zoe Kazan plays the um, the she girlfriend. Didn't, she did not Emily. win me over. I still liked the movie, she, but she but was my least favorite part. 
I think she was okay. I think she's also not the focus. Like, yeah, I think, I mean, I think weirdly yeah. the focus of this romance is about like, she's sort of like the MacGuffin, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. will. Like, you know, like she, she's the thing that he gets in like into this world with. And right. then she kind of is asleep for most of the movie. Right. Um, but yeah, but his interactions with her parents, his, act, Oh, also, um, I'm going to say this wrong, I think, but a new pump care is that, I don't know which girl that was. Oh. No, no, no. That's his father. Oh, yes. Yes, um, yes, yes. He has played the father in, in every single... Um, oh, what is her name? Oh, I don't know. This filmmaker. She made Bend It mm-hmm. Like Beckham and Bride mm-hmm. and Prejudice, and he played the father both of in both them. of those Yeah, you're movies, right. Oh, my God. He is... He was really great. Seriously, yeah. one of my favorites, because he's always so... He is, like, one of those actors that's, like, you can just see he's, like, this warm, mm-hmm. like, present, like... He's right. such he a great, really great actor. All I the think. parents were great. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, even his parents too, yeah. and his his brother and mm-hmm. sister in law, and, and it has like he's got this string of like um, Pakistani suitors that are coming. Mm-hmm. That's who and, I thought. One of them um, is also somebody pe- people know of, and I didn't. That's who I thought you were talking. She's about. from Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to get too into this because I want people yeah. to see it and be surprised by some of the stuff, but so I that we don't re- like recount the whole plot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely recommend both of those. And still I'm on the hunt for a pop culture recommendation that does not involve a TV screen okay. in some way okay. or my computer. I want to do a book or something, but I haven't really read a book <laughs> lately that I want to like shout. Yeah. About. We got some new ones, so. Yeah, I did. <laughs> maybe maybe next time it'll be all the light we cannot mm-hmm. see. Or 100 Things to Do in San Francisco. Oh, I know. I bought the one that's 300 oh, okay. yeah. things. So, yeah. So, anyway. Okay, well. Okay, so um, next time we've got... Surprise. Surprise and innocence. Mm-hmm. And hold on to your seatbelts, yeah. people. We're, it's going to be very exciting. We're getting into this. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, let's see. This week, I think that... Yeah. I know who I, I know what I, you should do. I'm gonna have to start switching it up too. All right, you go first this time. Who? Well, what should no, no, I? No, no, you go, and then I'll go. Uh, I hadn't picked one. I thought like last night I'd come to a conclusion, and then I kind of forgot. But um, I don't want to be team. That's Ted, what I was I'm gonna do. Team <laughs> I'm team Ted. Only because of his mini pizzas. Mm-hmm. I'm team Ted because Not of because John he's Ritter, a murderous yeah, robot. Of course. Okay, we'll see you next yeah. week, or we'll talk next week. All right, fine. We're both team murderers. Team Ted. (laughs) Bye. All right, bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.